Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hey Man, It's Okay. I'm Sky Bridges, and I'm joined by Ryan Heapy. Hey, guys. Welcome. Good to be back. Yeah, we're going to talk about something that's pretty, I mean, it kind of just came at us so fast, and that his rise to popularity is nothing short of meteoric. Like, it was just so fast. We're going to talk about Oliver Anthony. And his music. I guess he's the first songwriter to debut on the Billboard Hot 100 with no prior chart history in any form. Yeah, that's pretty really crazy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it means that his music really spoke to people. And, you know, with platforms like Apple Music and Spotify and TikTok and YouTube, I mean, these guys are getting out there fairly quickly, it seems. Yeah, he released his very first video, I believe, just about a year ago. And I think this one, in a matter of days, went to like the top 100. I just looked, he's to like fourth now. Casey Musgraves took the, the top spot. Oh, his YouTube video, I think, has some, somewhere around like 60 or 70 million. Yeah, the one that he recorded in his backyard. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Well, I thought since Oliver Anthony was kind of a TikTok guy and kind of came forward on TikTok and that's where he grew, I would bring in my resident TikTok expert, my younger brother, Grant. Welcome to the show, Grant, again. Hi, howdy guys. How's it going? Uh, Good to have you. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be able to be on the on the show again. For those again, Grant, my name's Grant O'Mara. Yeah, tell us all about it because you know you're kind of at that generation where you're very like fluid with TikTok and fluent with TikTok and you kind of know how it all works. So if you could explain it to us old guys, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. So Oliver Anthony is someone that I've been following for a little bit before this big boom of stuff. I saw one of his first videos. He has been writing songs since September last year. His song was called Long Gone. And that was in May of this year is when I first started introducing him. So I've been in a couple months. But recently, when you know when he went this big boom, his song came out, and I was like, "All right, cool. This is a really inspirational song to you know today's world and how it works. Like it speaks a lot of truth in so many different factors and ways. And like you know, it targets you know like the working class, it targets the corrupt government stuff like that. And so when it first hit, I was like, "Cool." And I started following it. You know, it had a couple hundred thousand likes and stuff. I was like, "All right, cool." A couple of weeks go by, I'm listening to the song because you know it, it influenced me, like just with how much truth and i started seeing videos of people reacting to the song giving their opinions and you know and then it got to where it is today and it's at a couple million views and a couple million likes and constantly people it's everywhere like it's on top of spotify it's on top of apple store like those are the main two that i run you know i have friends who use pandora it's at the top of pandora like it's insane and it's just one of those songs that I was not expecting to take storm like yeah, that. Yeah, they actually used it as like the beginning question kind of topic for the first Republican primary debate, which sparked quite a bit of controversy. I mean, it obviously got his name out there a bit more, but he was not pleased actually with, with them using it. I don't think they asked for his permission. They kind of were setting the stage that these are some of the problems that Americans are facing today. And I think he came out the very next day and said, you people 
are part of the problem. And I really object (laughs) to you using the video because a lot of Republicans tried to like co-opt him and, you know, kind of say he was one of theirs. And I think Democrats tried to as well. And, you know, he kind of gave the finger to both of them and said, no, you know, you guys are, you both, you guys are the problem, which I thought was, was really admirable in some ways to do. Yeah. That being the title, right? It's Richmond, North of Richmond, which yeah, really is the the rich politician. So, Grant, what were some of the things that kind of spoke to you? And I'm glad you're here today, because I think it really is speaking to probably almost your generation, maybe more than anyone else. I think the biggest part was a part about the working class and having low pay, working many hours but not getting paid for those hours. So, I used to work for a, a bigger company, and they would ask you to do overtime, but they said, "Hey, it's not paid overtime. I'm sorry, you're going to work." This many out plus hours, but not get paid for it because we can do that. We're a high company. And when I decided to quit that job and go looking for more jobs, it was really hard to find work that was about the same pay. And it was really hard to look for jobs that were anything higher or lower because a lot of them were minimum wage. And Part of the song that's, uh, you know, it says the quote, the, the part of the song goes, you're selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay. That was the biggest part. It's very true because you can work hours, long hours, but the pay is well. Like here it's fifteen seventy four is minimum wage. And, and that doesn't buy yeah, a whole just, lot. No, it doesn't. You, it really Washington doesn't. Washington State actually is one like, of the higher minimum wage states. So imagine how little they get paid in other states yeah. too. What I currently get paid, I don't still don't think is enough for living, like to live off of. Not especially by like you know again Washington being one. Yeah, especially Washington being the you know one of the higher what's that called higher. It's like more expensive. It's more expensive of living. living. Higher cost of living. Yeah. There. Yeah. That. That. Thank you. Yeah, even with that, it's it's kind of I could see it as a struggle. Like I'm very, very lucky to yeah. be living with Sky. <laughs> I'm very lucky to have lucky, that. Lucky, cursed. I don't know. You could probably use both. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but seeing like my friends struggle to live, like I have so many friends that you know they live by themselves. I have friends in different states, you know, that live by themselves, and I'm fortunate enough to not be in that position. But I am not. It's 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 very unfortunate to have to watch For people sure. go through that, and to live through you know that low pay and so that was the biggest part of the song that really hit me and then you know i think that's what really got me into that song you know we just did a video i think last week or the, or the week before on another youtuber who kind of had this viral video about mm-hmm. the struggles uh, young men are facing today and i can see how a lot of young men your age and i'm glad you're here because i probably have a, a bunch of questions and hopefully they're not too personal but <laughs> you know how someone like you would want to possibly she was talking about this class of men called the hikikomori who basically have kind of just dropped out of it's like a million and a half men young men in japan who have basically just dropped out of society sounds like they're they're not working maybe on welfare and really like don't even leave their homes they just have kind of become hermits and and totally almost withdrawn from society and you know i think this song kind of speaks to some of that and you know the struggles of young men finding purpose finding good work dropping out of college more than ever i don't know you know have have you experienced some of that Have have you seen it amongst your friends and at the same time your generation has 
some of the most alarming mental health problems that I think we've ever seen in in the history you know, of society, really. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I've definitely, I've personally definitely experienced that where I just really don't want to do anything, especially when, you know, you work those long hours. Well, you get home and you want to do nothing else. Like, even though you have your personal responsibility you have to get done, you don't want to do anything because you're just so tired because of how hard you have to work in order to make a living. I have seen that among my friends where, you know, I don't see them online for months at a time because they're working their butts off to, you know, to make money so that they can actually live. I have a buddy, you know, he works for a factory and, you know, he works five, 10 hour shifts uh, a week. And it's so like, you know, I don't see him. I only see him like, you know, two, three times a week because he's working so hard and it'll, it drives you into, you know, depression. It really does it where I currently work for a security company. And as much as I love the company, I can definitely see it with how the shifts work, you know, you're sitting for majority of the shift. We have these, these scans you have to do every hour. There's not a lot, you know, there's anywhere from five to 14 scans. You do that, you go sit back in your in your car for about an hour. You really have nothing to do in that hour except for what, sit and watch. And, it, you know, it can drive you to the point, like it kind of makes you feel like you're crazy. I sit in my car sometimes and I'm, I'm so overly paranoid because it's such a low, you just don't know what to do. Yeah, you, you, you run out of that energy. And then, like, you have your, I have my buddies, they go in depression. They, like, because, you know, they're working their butts off, and they don't have much to do. Like, I have a friend who works and goes to school. And school in itself already causes a lot of depression anxiety because of the schedule you're on, and you're getting grades for something that, you you know, you're never really going to use again in life. But then, on top of that, they also have to balance right. work. And I think between those two things are some of the biggest things that are influential to like my generation's problem and it also has to do with you know people whether they're left side right side they combating each other constantly at this point i don't think my generation knows what I to think do that's with themselves the point of what oliver anthony was trying to talk about was that why are we talking about this side or that side when we really should just be one people like supporting each other like why do we all have to fight why do we all have to you either have to either feast or famine why can't we all get along just just good you know, and it's, I think that this song is really going to maybe bring awareness to that. Grant, what are your peers saying about the song? What have you talked to about with some of your friends? Because I'm really interested to hear like some of the different sides that may be coming um, out for this song. Well, a large majority of my friend, the group, you know, they have agreed with the song uh, specifically. And like, I've had friends tell me that they cried when they heard it because it rang that deep of a truth, especially like in like the TikTok world. The lyrics is, you know, oh, I got to find them. Give me a second. I, I want I want to make sure I quote this exactly to what it is. Well, while you, he's looking for that, Ryan, have any of your peers been talking about this song? You know, being in the therapy yeah, world? Yeah, I don't, you know, it's interesting. I, I think a couple of clients have. I think my clients are a bit older and in a different place or making more money. And so you okay. know, it might not mm-hmm. resonate the same way. But what's interesting, you know, Grant's saying is I was listening to Oliver's interview by Rogan and yeah, not only is, you know, I think his authenticity comes out in the song, you know, with his voice and, and the lyric, but it, you know, it's it, Grant, it, he was talking exactly about his own struggles, you know, working this kind of mindless job and I guess it paid well and he, and he had a wife and, you know, on paper, it seemed like everything seemed okay. 
But yet he also had a ton of anxiety. He was depressed. He ended up you know, going to the emergency room, feeling like he was having a heart attack. And he was actually just having, not just having, but he was, he was having a panic attack. And you know, it wasn't until he really decided to lean into his music and, and also stop smoking weed, stop drinking. And you know, he kind of turned his life over to God as well. And there's a, you know, I think a lot of those things can obviously help your your mental health and then finding a purpose. But, you know, for these 10 That's what I think it comes down to, you know, yeah. These 10 years before that he was writing these songs and, and knew he had the talent, you know, that, that he wasn't putting himself out there. The anxiety was too much. But yeah, he talks about being in the exact same place that you and a lot of your friends find yourselves. And and like you said, it's, it's not really like knowing who they are or what to do, you know, or what direction maybe to, uh, to head into. Did you find those lyrics? I did. And I have more on to add to it. So the lyrics go, uh, Lord, we got folks in the streets, ain't got nothing to eat, and the obese milking welfare. But God, if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your bags of fudge rounds. So one of the biggest things that that brings to me is has to do with TikTok. So TikTok is based, you know, you make your video and you get views. And TikTok has what they call an algorithm. And it's a mix and match between people who are like actual content creators, you know, like Scott, he's a content creator. He posts his stuff, you know, it gets like, you know, 200, 300 views per video. But with this lyrics, you know, if you're, if you're five foot three and 300 pounds, you know, you get millions of views instantly, you know, because that's, that's the demographic is that people that are people are looking at right now. And it's one of the biggest things because, you know, they get to have exactly as it says, you know, obese milking welfare. So people thinking that, you know, they can be, you know, obese, you know, get whatever they want. But then you have the people, you know, who are working their butts off to, you know, to make money for themselves and they're not getting what they want. You know, people post their life stories and, you know, it gets 200, 300 views because that's just how algorithm wants to work. And so I think those lines specifically speak really big to that. Yeah. And the next lines for it are young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground because all this damn country does is keep on kicking them down. Yeah, that's the yeah, that, that line yeah. actually jumped out at me also. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what, you know kind of what sparks most of Ryan and I's conversations, you know, this, this want to help end that stigma and the want to help others so that they want to stop putting themselves six feet under. You know, without getting too political, the whole song, right, is about politicians, at least the title, right, the Richmond, North of Richmond. And I can't remember a time in my life where I've felt more gaslit by both sides. And, you know, and this is going to kind of have to go, you know, towards your vision of kind of what your generation's future looks like. And, you know, we're seeing Biden's 80, almost, I don't know, I think, I think he's 80. Obviously, there's yeah, cognitive decline going on. You have like Diane Feinstein, who's our senator, who's 90 years old. And they're like, you know, he's completely barely there. Just the other day, we saw what looked like another stroke from Mitch McConnell right on television. And yet we're told that these people have our best interests in mind when and this is both sides, right? This is the, the leader of the Republican Party. This is you know one of the longest running senators of California and one who's pulling the strings for them. But I guess it just, it's really depressing and sort of heartbreaking to kind of see these things and then hear the media tell us that everything's all right and these people are fine and you know we're in great hands. And so I guess it's just a big point of why this song resonated. It's hard to imagine 
a good future. I, I think for, you know, you know, it's incredibly difficult to buy a home right now, more difficult than it's ever been. And while, you know, a state like yours, Washington has $15 minimum wage, it costs almost $15 to buy a cheeseburger at a lot of places now. And so that's, I can <laughs> concur. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and like the house, like pr- house prices here, are like for a starter house, you're not paying less than 600,000. And then if you go somewhere else in the country and you want to buy 600,000, you can get land with a big house. It's insane. I mean, it's it's so crazy here. But I guess, you know, Grant, like, how do you stay optimistic? How do you, are you trying to find purpose? Is What keeps you you going, you know, in the midst of sort of a, a bleak outlook? I would definitely say it's really hard to stay optimistic. I had a moment recently where I was kind of feeling down in the dumps and I have to look forward to like the short-term things because I don't really have a long-term thing because it's really hard to look at something that's long-term when I don't know what's going to happen in the short-term. So I have little siblings and I have three little siblings and I love them dearly and I'm going to go get to see them in October. And so right now, that is my goal right now. That is where I am pushing to keep going. That's my reason to keep going right now. And my long-term goal is like, you know, I want to do something that will prove that I'm worth something to someone. At best, that's not, you know, not the best goal, but it's a goal. And, you know, staying optimistic with that goal, it's not easy, you know, because you don't know what's going to happen. We have, you know, we have, we have things going on around the world that might affect what happens here today. And so, you know, you take every step as if, you know, you're blind. You don't know what's next. You don't know what you'll be doing in three steps. You don't know what you'll be doing in six steps. You're just focused on what the next step's going to be. Yeah, see, that's it's a lot different coming from the old, like I'm, you know, a little bit older. I'm pretty established in the world. I've, you know, got a solid gig. Some of those things don't ring true with me, but definitely the mental health aspects of, you know, all this definitely ring true. You know, I can't say that. I mean, I, I, we struggle. Everyone struggles. I don't think anyone's, you know, immune to struggle. But I think the older you get, the more lessons you learn on how to handle it and cope with it. I mean, I don't know if Ryan can speak to that also, but that's kind of how I feel about, about, you know, when you run into conflict or issues. Definitely. But I do think there's, as you kind of go down by generation and, you know, I think I'm a Gen Xer maybe, and I think Sky, you're probably a millennial and then Grant, I think you're Gen Z, right? And so we got, you know, kind of three, I think that sounds right. Different uh, uh, generations represented (laughs) here. But I, you know, I know when my parents were growing up, they could afford a home, you know, with a hundred thousand dollars and their wages weren't all that much more, you know, all that much different than the wages are now. And, you know, I, I guess I, I kind of think about another theme of the song in a lot of ways is like the decline of maybe the American dream. And I think just like as like the boomers, you know, had this great time of prosperity, you know, how that's sort of, you know, been chipped away further and further. And, you know, when I think I was growing up, it was there were a handful of great jobs. You know, we had to go through the, the housing crisis of 08, which was, you know, really disastrous. <laughs> And then you see like yeah. Wall Street get bailed out, you know, and so all these little things, you know, that kind of have really chipped away at our society, I think. Yeah, just make it harder and harder for younger generations to find purpose, to find good jobs, to find worth, like you said. And I think your goal is a worthy. I think it's great to find something that gives you that sense of worth. You know, I think that goes a long way to feeling fulfilled. Yeah, you know, talking about having that sense of worth and finding that purpose, 
if we're going back to, let's go back to the song here. What he said was right before he released that song, he prayed to God and said, God, if you can just help me, you know, get more secure in life, I promise I'm going to turn my life towards you. And like overnight, he just became a success. He, you know, he was a heavy drinker, a heavy weed user, it sounded like. And then he just, he gave that all up and it turned his life around because it, it helped him find purpose. Do you think that that's something that we're missing today is a sense of purpose? Absolutely. I was actually reading this. It's a pretty famous novel. It's, it's kind of a classic, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. It's by this psychiatrist that went through. I think I might have talked about it already on here, but it, it's a it's by a psychiatrist who kind of was sharing his his thoughts on kind of the human psyche while he was going through Nazi Germany and he was in concentration camps and you know really seeing humanity at its lowest. And one of the things he opens the book with is that what really creates success and happiness is living for a greater purpose, something greater than ourselves, and then listening kind of to our consciousness, you know, pull us along in that direction and follow that. And that will bring us success and true happiness. And so, yeah, I think the sort of the absence of faith, you know, in a lot of ways, I think has really hurt a lot of people's purpose. And I can understand that, right? The churches have not, over the last couple of decades, you know, have done some some pretty terrible things. And so a lot of people have been turned away from religion and faith. But, you know, kind of going back to that quote by Viktor Frankl, a faith often gives us that greater purpose. And then it often gives us kind of that path. And you saw with Oliver Anthony that he, you know, sort of turned his life over to God and then stopped drinking and smoking and working hard. And, and all these, you know, wonderful things just, you know, happened to him. So, or, you know, they all seem to come together in a, in a beautiful way. But I don't know. Yeah, I think we passed a point somewhere in the last couple of years where there are less people you know, attending church than there are attending. You know, and Absolutely. So, yeah, I don't know the validity of this study. I, I definitely heard this somewhere. But that the greatest common denominator in someone's level of resilience is their level of spirituality and their like connection to you know, either God, the source, whoever you believe in. But yeah, because it, it gives us, it can often give us a, a way to let go of some of our anxieties to sort of give us faith that there's a reason for us being here. It does give us that resilience. I think often if we you know, believe that what we're doing is in service to some sort of higher power. I am curious, kind of Sky, you know, as you are sort of transitioning, I don't know what you'd like to call it. Yeah, I don't want to speak for you, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll talk on it. So, you know, listening to what you were saying, where it was, you were talking about, you know, the youth are kind of turning against religion. And I think that's true. I find that happening more and more, it seems... For me, I think growing up, you know, I feel like I was always told how to believe and why I should believe. But until I really took grasp of that myself and took my own accountability and found my own relationship with God, I didn't really get it at the time. And I feel like after finding that and finding that relationship and connection to, you know, the greater being. I feel like my life has taken a turn for the better once I found my purpose. So, I mean, I can find that that rings true for me, especially after I started going through my own therapy and figuring out what my brain 
needed for purpose. And that's how I found this mental health community. That's how I found the growth and the positivity and that things could change. And it's, I mean, everyone who's listened to my story knows how much that's changed my life and changed my perspective on things and how much calmer it's made me. So I think that it's not just about religion. It's not just about what you believe. It's about how you believe and if you believe it for yourself. It's, it's that actual connection, I think, that, you know, that to something deeper, something greater, right? Oh, no, I didn't have anything. I was just, I was, okay. well, Grant, do you have any belief system? Are you, you know, some of your friends around you, do they believe in anything? Or are you kind of seeing a more atheistic culture? I would say I see a lot of more in atheistic culture, but then I have those few friends who are, it's called agnostic. So in the belief of a, some kind of higher being, but without putting a name to it, because, you know, I have friends who believe, you know, there can't be a name. Like I had a conversation with someone last night about uh, religion and they were Muslim. And so they were giving me their their view on it. And in Muslim, they have what's called uh, the 99 names, because in order to have the belief in something, you're going to have to put a name to it so you can refer to it. And the 99 names basically gives 99 names. And among, from those names, you can put something to Allah to get your own image and so it's a very it was a very eye-opening thing to me to hear about that uh, i was like oh that's that's very true you know you, you have to have a name name of something a reference of something so that you can put a picture to it so that you have that belief in something and so what do you believe i would say i'm almost on the side of agnostic i believe there's a higher being but i don't want to put an exact something to it yet because i'm still i'm still on that path of learning and figuring out what i want for my my being to be yeah. the thing to God. God How about you, Brian? This, the same question can go to you too, though. I, I am all over the damn <laughs> yeah. place with, with my beliefs. <laughs> I like to almost believe in every religion and everyone's source, higher power. I also think there's you know something to Hebrew and like Christian mysticism. I think there's you know when I started my practice. I did not believe in astrology or zodiac or anything like that. And the longer I've kind of kept working and the more and more themes that I actually see, you know, you, you read star charts or look at a horoscope of, you know, what's going on in the world. I actually often see that, you know, really playing out with a lot of my clients and, and I'll see, you know, a lot of similarities each week that, you know, people are working through. Most notably, like the last couple of weeks, everybody, you know, that I've been working with has been like very scattered and kind of just not feeling very grounded. And then a few weeks before that, everybody was going through some sort of relational issues. And so it's just interesting kind of themes I, I'll see. I think right before that, I, I noticed like everybody, you know, was sort of in this like apathetic, lethargic, you know, almost like depressive sort of state. So, yes, I take a little something from almost every faith out there, and whether that's Christianity, Buddhism, Islam, you know, or astrology. I think there's a little little something to everything there. You know? And I think there's great teachings in just about everything. You know? Oh, yeah. I can agree. I mean, there are definitely positive teachings everywhere. It's funny you talk about religious searching and, and agreeing with you know religious groups because Rain Wilson made a comment on this song. He actually sent out a tweet or an X or, you know, whatever they're calling it these days about how he wouldn't talk about the EBT cards not paying for your 
fudgy packets or whatever it was. He said, I would talk about the billionaires and how your money is disgusting. It's funny because Rain Wilson is famously known for being of the Baha'i faith, which I find pretty intriguing and interesting. Do you know much about that faith at all? I used to, and I don't much. I, it's escaping my memory. Yeah, do, you, uh, <laughs> do you have some cliff notes? Yes. Yeah, so when I was growing up, I had an aunt and uncle who were of the Baha'i faith also. What The way my parents explained it is the way I'll always remember it. And they say they kind of take a little bit of every religion, the good of every religion, and don't take any of the bad. So it sounds like there's a wide variety of things that they could believe in. But I think it's funny that religion playing into this is kind of the groups that are sort of talking about about all of this and talking about spirituality. And, you know, there's got to be something to it. You're talking about themes. You're talking about order. Here it is again. I mean, yeah. I mean, religion is one of the biggest things in people's purpose. Yeah. There's a lot of things that have happened for religious purposes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can give us direction, right? It can give us a set of values. It can give us a way of living. You know, there is a lot of great teachings, I think, you know, in almost all of the different scriptures, you know, from each of of the major faiths. At the same time, I was in a sort of fundamental Pentecostal church when I was around 20 to 21 years old. And there were a lot of things going on in that church that didn't sit right with me. And, you know, I could see that it was starting to get driven by money. I could see that there was, you know, sort of some infidelity and, you know, some really inappropriate relationships that were going on. And, you know, really, I was asking a lot of questions. I've you know, always been a question asker. And I asked one too many, and they asked me to leave, as a matter of fact. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of these religions are also run by men who are, you know, as flawed men and women, but just, you know, as flawed as everyone else. And so I think that's that's the real tragedy, maybe, that's sort of occurred with religion over the last couple of decades, all the, the scandals in the Catholic Church with priests, you know, you see in some of these like Christian mega churches, and, you know, there's scandals there too. And, you know, anytime anybody gets, you know, a good amount of power, whether that's just, you know, over a congregation or on a larger scale, it often corrupts people. And so, but if I also think that we might be sort of heading into a time, at least I'm I'm finding this with a lot of my friends and people I follow, kind of getting away from traditional religions, but really trying to deepen their spirituality in a lot of other ways. And so, you know, I'm feeling almost like there is some sort of return maybe to faith or to spirituality after, you know, kind of what's seemed like a mass exodus over the last 30, 40 years. And that's something that's something that I've always said is I'm not opposed to, you know, going back at some point, but I want to see some some changes in some things. I want to see things grow. I want to see things change. I want to see people adapt to being more open-minded about things. And right now it's just that not something that's in the cards. And that's, that's hard because you know, that you take these things that you were taught fundamentally as a child and put them into practice in today's world. And it's kind of hard to kind of hard to cope. And maybe some of these people who don't really know how to make their own decisions or don't know how to overcome adversity are some of the people who were kind of told not to trust in themselves, but to trust in just trust in the power of prayer. And that's, 
will solve everything. I, I believe prayer will solve things, but I think you need to work towards those acts in order to help solve it. And I think too many people play the victim, unfortunately. Sky, I think you kind of bring something up there. And I think it's sort of that balance or that lack of balance that I see kind of contribute to, can often contribute to not the best mental health is either when people are far too self-absorbed and only thinking about what's the next pleasurable thing that I'm looking for, or just kind of chasing this moment to moment feeling of happiness. And then also on the other side of the spectrum, where there's maybe no accountability and everything, you know, can be laid at the hands of God without uh, having any agency or feeling empowered and actually taking control of some of your actions. And so the real harmony seems to be somewhere in the, the middle and maybe going back to that quote of living for something greater than ourselves. And I guess that's what I've always found has given me the most fulfillment, purpose, long-term happiness, you know, is that we all don't feel great day by day. You know, there's some days we feel better than others, right? But, you know, when I think we're working towards something bigger almost all the time or building mastery in something, sort of where we're heading in our direction. And it gives us a goal that we're constantly kind of striving for. I know I'm so blessed in what I get to do here that, you know, every day I kind of feel like I'm in service, you know, in some way or another. Yeah, I feel that same way because I feel like the more I put out into the universe that, you know, I want to be involved with mental health things and I want to be involved with these organizations that are doing so good for suicide awareness and mental health awareness and whatever it is, I feel like I'm finally seeing these things come to fruition and things happening that are going to help me get connected more to this community. And I feel like there was a moment in time where I said to myself that I needed to stop working against the wind and I need to start flying in the wind. And I feel like since I've done that and since I've relied more on the universe, God, whatever it is you call it, the happier I've been and the easier life has been. If, like as soon as I stopped fighting against it, doors started opening and it was, it was crazy. So there's got to be something to that. You know, in the in the modality that that's my favorite, which is DBT over here, dialectical behavioral therapy. It's it's my absolute favorite kind of form of therapy, and it's this you know massive set of skills. Anyways, one of the the skin there is being willing versus willful, and you know not trying to always you know force reality to bend to our will, which often just leaves us disappointed. And is there a way to be more willing and more accepting of maybe our circumstances, which I think also turns to, to gratitude. And, and I think gratitude is one of the greatest kind of concepts there are when it comes to day-to-day -day happiness and, and feeling fulfilled. When we're a little more accepting, we're more grateful, kind of like you said, Sky, when we kind of can allow and, and be okay with maybe some of the circumstances and then work from there. Yeah, I think that's I think that's so interesting. I think, you know, we could talk, I mean, I feel like we could talk about this forever. You know, there's just so many aspects of, you know, whether it's religion, whether it's mental health, whether it's poor man versus the rich man, Democrats versus Republicans. I feel like no matter what, I mean, there's there's things to talk about and there's kind of views from each and every single side, but all I can say is the proof's in the pudding with Oliver Anthony you know, finding that purpose and he just overnight blew up.
just insane. Yeah, he targeted like three or four different things that were like one of four of the biggest things, and just that's you know. Nuts. And I think the the last piece that so many people maybe aren't talking about, at least that I'm not hearing a lot, is just how great of a song it is too. Like that voice he's got, oh, you know, absolutely. I think that just adds to the weight of the lyrics. Is is you feel that pain uh, in you know when he's singing it, and and I think that's. That's something that resonates in all of us is, you know, we're familiar with that pain. And from a technical standpoint, it sounds like, I mean, he's never had any professional training, which is just amazing to me. This is just his voice. And so from like a technical standpoint, what he's hearing is that, oh, you know, he's not projecting right, or he's not turning his head the right way when he's finishing this. Like, he's just like, whatever. He's like, this is my voice and this is how I sound. And people seem to be responding to that the more natural untrained just like it's just such a raw emotional song which is pretty amazing any final thoughts from either of you guys on this topic grant i appreciate you being here yeah i i don't have anything else for the topic i mean we hit a lot of its main points yeah it's pretty cool so, but yeah I'm, I, I'm glad you were able to join us today before you had to run to work yeah yeah i'm very glad to be here and are honored to be able to give yeah, my thanks. opinion i'll talk right. to you soon yeah, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Well, that was a fun discussion there, Sky. Yeah. 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 It was really great. I really enjoyed it. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Thank you, Hey Man, It's Okay fans, for supporting us and viewing us. And if this is your first time on YouTube watching us, thanks for coming. Thanks for looking at our, you know, make sure to check out our TikTok. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel. Check out our website, Hey Man, It's Okay.com. And it's just okay not O-K-A-Y. Uh, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And until next time, I'm Sky, and it's okay to not be okay. I'm Ryan. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Take care, everybody.